And sometimes we make tracks through the Word of God. We'll cover a whole chapter or a bunch of verses. Today we're looking at one verse, and the next time we get together we'll be still looking at that same one verse. <laughs> okay, because there's just a lot of information here that we want to look at. Um, last week we had looked at the fact that God is love. God is the creator of love. God is the giver of love. The only reason we understand what love is at all is because God designed it and he made it real to us through creating us in his image, offering his son for our sins. We also looked last week that there are certain things that God hates. Okay, and in this world, people will talk about, you know, God is love and, you know, love, love, love. But again, remembering God is love, but love is not God. Okay, there are things that God hates in this world. And uh, we looked at that this morning in Sunday school. It's kind of silly to think about you might need salvation unless you realize you're a sinner. Okay, when you realize there are certain things in this world that God does not like, okay, it makes us think about what we should do to make God happy. And if you looked at it, we reminded ourselves when we started this book as an overview that God lays out nine different things that makes him upset. And that's one of the things we're going to be looking at this morning is the second thing that makes God upset. So he says, listen, I love you. I've, I've planned all these things before creation for this relationship that we can have together. But you priests, you've been messing it up. So let's look at this verse together. We'll pray. I'm going to go short today. And that just means I'm going to be preaching on my knees. No. Um, we're going to be going, it won't be very long because I want to focus on something that's very important for us. And God gives us the introduction today. And the next time we're together, we'll cover the rest of it. All right? Let's look to chapter 1, verse 6. A son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is my own honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? Saith the Lord of hosts unto you, O priest that despise my name. And ye say, wherein have we despised thy name? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for your word, for what it teaches us. Father, we thank you for a family that we can come and worship together. We can uh, pray together. Lord, we can share God's word together. Lord, we can get dirty together out in the hole. Uh, Lord, I thank you, Father, that we uh, have uh, you designed from the very beginning that we're not in this alone. But Lord, I also thank you for who you are, the person that you are. And Lord, that's one of the things that we're going to look at today. Father, making sure we understand and focus on you. And Lord, we, uh, we know we come here every week and that's what we want to do. But Lord, sometimes we have to break it down to subjects and things like that well the subject today is reminding ourselves who you are so father i just pray guide my mind lord as we look to your word but lord what an amazing thing we're going to see as we remember how important it is that we have this precious relationship with you father thank you in jesus name amen so God looks at a few, he says, listen, now I, I'm letting you know I love you. I've reached out in love to you. He says, but because of that, he, has, he asks a couple of questions. So we're going to keep going right through the slides here pretty quick today. All right, number one, God asked the question, well, sons honor their father. 
So, if then I'm your father, why aren't you honoring me? God says to children of Israel, remember, this is a very dark time. It's years away from a lot of the instruction that God gave through Moses. And we're getting into that time of the minor prophets, real dark. We're going to go into that 400 years of silence. The children of Israel drifted away. And even the priests themselves, and if you notice, it had addressed the priests specifically here. And he says, listen, I'm not getting the glory that I deserve. If I'm your father, then why aren't you honoring me? Okay, and that's just in a response to what he talked about, about this love that he has for us. Second part, he says, if I'm your master, where's my fear? Okay, and again, as much as we talk about the fact that God is love, but there are things that God hates, okay? God needs to be glorified and honored, but he also needs to be feared. And some people have problems justifying those things together. But again, I've got a great illustration that always pops in my mind. It's a very common phrase that moms use. Sometimes dads use it, but generally it was known by moms. Wait till your father gets home. You know the phrase, right? Something happens, and mom says, just wait till your father gets home. That's what we're talking about. You love your dad, but there's a bit of fear that just gets into your heart. Your knees start knocking, you know. Or maybe mom and dad are already home, and they just say, go to your room. And you know mom and dad are stewing downstairs. And you're upstairs going, oh, man, what am I going to do? I remember Mark Lowry, a comedian, he used to talk about putting on five or six pairs of pants when he got sent to his room and prepping okay, for what was going to come. That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about a fear of God where you quake and, and you're unable to relate and you're in constant fear of being struck down. But it's not just, and a lot of times Christians and theologians and commentaries will say, it's just a healthy reverence for God. There is part of it that's reverence, but there needs to be a dread Okay, I remember my dad was a trucker, so there were times where he didn't get home till 10 o'clock at night. So if this was right after school and mom said, wait till your dad gets home, I was waiting for six hours for dad to get home. You know, and it was just like, oh, you might start playing stuff, doing things, all of a sudden you hear the truck pull in the driveway and you're like, oh no, I had totally forgot. Dad is now home. Okay, there was a little bit of dread. Again, not that he wasn't my loving father, not that we didn't have a great relationship, but I had crossed the bounds, and I had some fear. That's what we're talking about. God is saying, listen, if I'm your master, why aren't you having any bit of dread in your response to me? You guys are living your life, and you don't even care. God is speaking this way. So, God says, um, the priest had despised God's name. And this is where I want to focus today. Taking the name of God in vain. And we've brushed over this several times when we've talked about it. We're going to look at it a little bit deeper today. It is not, and you can see at the bottom of the slide, it says, this is not about profanity or cussing. Okay, I say cussing. Because you all know what I, I, I spelled it cursing, but you know. We are not talking about uh, using foul language. Okay, that is a lot of times where this world automatically goes when you say taking the Lord's name in vain. You know, you hit your thumb with a hammer and you're calling on the Lord, but not because you believe in him, just because those words pop out of your mouth. 
And it's amazing to me, just on a side note, I have never heard somebody go, ah, Buddha! <laughs> Harry Krishna! Come on! Why is it, and you think it's accidental that if they're going to use it in a profane way, that it is the one and only Lord Jesus Christ that winds up popping in people's minds? Nobody else calls out on earth, any other religious leader. Why is it Jesus? I know why it's Jesus. Okay. All right. Look at this verse here. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Now we talk about this. Taking the name of the Lord God in vain is not words you speak. Okay. And we'll blow this up a little bit more so we understand it. But again, it is identifying with that person. How many of you, when you're growing up, had uh, a relative that was a little bit, woohoo, okay, okay, and um, yeah, you know, uh, I'll just pick Smith. I think we might be safe in here with Smith, right? Um, oh, they're the Smiths. Oh, I know the Smiths. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't want to mess with this. Why? Because automatically their name is associated with something bad. They have a bad reputation. And it's generally because you got a couple of hoo-hoo in the family, right? That's the, the woke word today. Hoo-hoo. All right. We're safe. All right. It, you can do things to cause your name to be despised. Yes? That's what we mean when we're taking the name of the Lord thy God in vain. You and I now, and the children of Israel back then, we are Christ-like ones, Christians. But I don't have to necessarily act like a christian do i and honestly and, and forgive me if this comes out the wrong way because i could do the same thing if i'm not careful there are a lot of christians out there quote unquote who don't act like christ who spend most of the time they might get themselves all spruced up to go to church once or twice a week but most of the rest of the week they're living like the devil but calling themselves a christ-like one you are taking the name of god the name of Christ, in vain, you're using it empty, you're despising it, it means nothing. I'll, I'll call myself one, but uh, I'm not going to be an example of one. And you know how many times uh, we just kind of laugh when I said, oh, those Smiths. <laughs> how many times do people say, oh, Christians? Yeah, I know a few Christians. And they have that same thought, not because Christ has failed, not because God has ruined his testimony, but because people have taken the name of Christ and used it vainly, despised it. And God says, listen, I don't want that. But with that in mind, what I want to focus on today is the depth of God's name. Okay, let's keep going to the next slide. It is very, very important, a good name, right? A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. And loving favor rather than silver and gold. Man, I'll tell you what. And again, I've said this before. I wish we lived in that age where I could walk up and shake your hand and that's all it meant, all it took to mean we had an agreement. Okay, we've gotten away from that age where a handshake or a word meant I'm going to cover it. We've gotten to the point where it doesn't matter anymore. Nobody takes anything seriously anymore. Years ago, your name was important. Okay, and in the Old Testament, and I'll talk about this. How many of you have ever watched a movie about the Middle East? 
whether it's China or Japan or Korea or anything like this. And um, I, I can't help it. I'm sorry, guys. Mulan comes to my mind. Okay, it's a silly little cartoon movie, but the only reason it comes out is that Mushu Little Dragon comes out and goes, dishonor on you, dishonor on your whole family. And that was a big deal, because for someone to think that your family name was now despised, that there was dishonor put upon your family name, that was one of the worst insults possible. Where if you were, if your name was dragged through the mud because of someone in your family. That was a big problem. Today, who cares? We'll just pay another lawyer. Okay, we'll pay for it to be bumped down somewhere on, on uh, uh, what do you call it, Facebook and you know, searches where you can't find it. They'll, you can actually pay a company to look up your name and put you down the list so they don't see the bad stuff that people post about you. That's how we're getting in the world today. We're not concerned so much about what our name means and our reputation. All we're concerned about is that nobody knows it. That's not what we're talking about when it comes to God's name. And that's why this is very important. A good name is more valuable than silver and gold. God says it. Look on to the next one. Your name represents personal characteristics, right? Jacob, and there's a couple others we could have talked about today. I didn't put the one that Dan covered in, in Sunday school. But Jacob, now I don't know about you. Um, back in the old days, they kind of waited to name kids. You know, nowadays we got our names picked out before the baby's born, right? You know, oh, look, little Hannah. Okay, the children back then would get named by their behavior. So, now, again, I don't know all the, what do you call them, kid one, kid two, kid three, you know, for a while, I don't know. But Jacob became, his name means deceiver, surplanter, conniver. Okay, that's, hey, Little conniver, come here. But that's what his name meant. Because of how he carried on his life, his name reflected his personal characteristics until God got a hold of him. And when God called him out and said, no, I'm going to do something special in you. And he says, your name is no longer going to be Jacob. I'm going to call you Israel. You no longer mean conniver, deceiver. Your name is going to be prince with God. Because a name means something. Abraham and Sarah used to be uh, Abram and Sarai. And God changed their names when he got a hold of them. We talked about in Sunday school, Saul of Tarsus. Horrible persecutor of the church. God got a hold of him and changed his name. And he was known from that point on as Paul the Apostle. Why? Because a name means something. What do you think about your name? Now, I don't recommend it because you get yourself into trouble or depressed, but go ahead and one day Google your own name. Maybe you're not out there. Count yourself lucky. Maybe you are. See what they have to say about you. Most of the time, it'll just list your age and places that you've lived in the past and stuff like that. But if I were to say the name Adolf Hitler we already have conjured an image in our mind of exactly what that name means. So you bump into somebody in the street next, you know, hi, my name is Bill. Bill what? Bill Hitler. Uh, have you ever checked your family tree, dude? Because I know it sounds terrible. You understand what a name can mean? 
Well, God says, listen, you guys have despised my name. Why? Because it represents personal characteristics. Number two, it right, represents skills. My last name is Fisher. I wonder what my family used to do. Okay, we used to chop down trees. Okay, how many times are names in our culture are, were named after things that we did? You were a tailor, you were a smith, you were a carpenter, you were a plumber. Um, I guess you had a plumber. Name another one. You, there's tons of them out there where you're named after what you were doing. You came to this country from a foreign country and they didn't want to call you Kowalski anymore. So you became known as the smith. And so from that point on, you were John Smith and your son was James Smith and your daughter was Susie Smith. You got named for skills. Names used to hold a whole lot more weight in our world. Also, you're also named for your relationships. My children are named after relatives in our past, or Bible names. My son Micah has two middle names, August Charles, after two grandparents, okay, grandfathers. Okay? Many of our children have names. My daughter has the name, same middle name as my wife, who has a name of her family. How many of you have been named after somebody in your family? Okay, my brother's name is Jason Gustav Fisher because my grandpa Gus was Gustav. We name our family members and each other after relationships that we have, right? Ladies, the majority of the time, unless you get into, you know, people who don't necessarily want to follow the tradition, is you, when you get married, you take on your husband's name, right? It is not misogynistic. Man, people need to get off their crazy train. It was just a tradition to represent we are now in one relationship. It's not, I'm going to keep my old last name and you're going to keep your old last name. We're melding the two. We're putting it together and I'm taking on your name to represent that I have a relationship with you. That is why you and I take on the name Christian. Because we are demonstrating we have a relationship with God now. It's not a bad thing, oh, this man, this world's run by men and poor women never got to keep their own name. Hogwash! Get off your high horses, these woke nuts, and remember what it's about. Okay? It was about picturing a new relationship. That's what the name change was about. It was not about demeaning women. But that's what everything, we have to find a problem with everything nowadays. Okay, you took on your husband's name because you are putting together a brand new relationship. Sometimes it goes the other way and the man decides to take on the lady's name. I don't have a problem with that. It's a picture of a new relationship. We're not two separate anymore. We're now one. Why is that a problem? Okay, but a picture's relationship. What about naming after grandpas or grandpas or children? So many times we're named after family because it means something. Okay, let's look at the next slide. Your family name, name of your employer, name of your town can get a bad reputation, can it? I can go ahead and use some of the off-color, slangy terms for a few towns around here. Y'all know them, probably. Troy, Winchester, Swansea. Okay, we, there are some slang names that they use for them, right? Because sometimes it represents what the town is known for okay i won't use a town but this just popped in my mind when uh what do you call uh 
all the, what, what do you have when you line up all the ladies from this town? I won't even name the name because I don't want to be that way. What do you get when you line up all the ladies from that town? One tooth. Okay. One tooth. That's all they got, all the ladies in that town. One tooth. Meaning, they're a bunch of toothless old... If I were to put the name of the town in there, you'd get it. Okay, but just talking about the hick towns around here, I'm telling you, folks, how, how often do we do it? Now, let me put a thought in your mind. And again, this is not something... That's kind of around here hickish. What if I were to say to you right now, you want to go live in Chicago? It's got a bad reputation right now because it's one of the criminal, you know, crime capitals of the world. Okay? We do this by nature. A name means something. All right, I've done all that to remind us how, much, how important a name is, right? Are we getting it? Okay, well, how much more is that when it comes to God? Look to the next part. They, oh, by the way, here it says, the priests said, what do you mean we despise your name? Remember we talked about how it sounds like a teenager? Okay. I loved you. What do you mean you love it? You despise my name. What do you mean? You know, God goes on. Look what it says here. God's name is even more important. God's name represents his characteristics, his skills, his relationship. As much as those things are important in our life, how much more important they are when it comes to God. So what are some of God's names? Now, all of that was intro to get to this. Okay? I think you and I diminish God because we don't understand God's name. So there's a list of probably, I didn't count them up, at least 16 here or more, and there are others in the Word of God, God's names. Now you think, well, that's weird. What do you mean? How many names do you have? I've got three written down legally, and I could tell you a few more if you want to know them. Okay? I don't know how, my little brother couldn't say my name, so he called me Pigga when I was a kid. So the first few years of my life, I was Pigga. Don't figure that one out. So my mother, every once in a while, here I'm 55 years old, she'll come and call up and say, hey Pigga. I'm like, gee, thanks, Mom, put that on a business card, right? Pastor Pigga. Whoa. Okay, we have names. Most of us have at least three. God has a lot more. And each one of those things represent an aspect of God. And here is what God is saying to his people. He says, I loved you. I'm your father. I'm your master. And you guys don't even know my name. You don't even realize who I am. So we're going to look at some of these. And hopefully today, maybe one or two of these names will minister minister to you right where you are. Because each one of these names talk about God and how awesome he is. And if we don't remember this, and sometimes, you know, I think you can probably come up with a couple off the top of your head, right? Names of God that if I'm in prayer and I'm hurting or I'm rejoicing or something, and I can call upon God as not just G-O-D, but a name that represents this. All right, let's go on. Number one, God. In the Bible, G-O-D in the scripture is generally the word Elohim. Okay, it just means God. You find this right in Genesis 1.1, right? In the beginning, God created heaven and earth, and you will find it. The majority of the time you see the word G-O-D in the scriptures, it's referring to Elohim, okay? He is the creator God. He is the one who designed, created, spoke into existence this world. 
All right, you'll find another name often in God's Word, and that is Lord. Now, a lot of times when we print out our notes, Dan and I, and do the things, we don't capitalize L-O-R-D. Okay, you just write it capital L-O-R-D. But when you find it in your Bible, especially the old King James Bible, as capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, it represents Jehovah God, Yahweh himself, okay? The self-existent one, the God of the covenant. This is the one where he was speaking to Moses, and, and Moses was like, well, who do I tell him sent me? And he says, I am that I am. Okay, he is of himself. Go back and listen to Sunday school if you want a little bit more about that. Amen. God has been, always will be. Okay, he is who he is. There is nothing that needs to define him. That is Jehovah. Okay, that is the word that was precious to the Jewish scribes. They would write it four letters, and every time they copied it down, they would go wash themselves. And if they came to it when they were copying it again and came to this word Yahweh, Jehovah, they would go take a bath again and wash themselves before they wrote that word. That's how precious this name was. Okay? It means Yahweh. I am that I am. Next one. El Shaddai. I mean, there was an old Amy Grant song we used to sing all the time, right? El Shaddai, meaning God Almighty. Next one. Lord, capital L, small. O-R-D in your Bible, means Adonai or Master. All right, how many of you are familiar with that one? Okay, so again, just number one, for study purposes, if you see capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D in your Bible, you know who that's talking about. That is Jehovah God. If you see Lord in your Bible, still God, but he's not talking about the self-existing God of the covenant. He's talking about your Master. Now, Next one. Jehovah Jireh. I got to turn to this one. This is just one of my favorite ones. You can pick your own if you want. This one I love. Genesis chapter 22. So God often uses the compound names and he says Jehovah Yahweh Jireh. And if you remember correctly, just to set up the story very briefly, Abraham was told to sacrifice his only son Isaac. Okay, and they travel all the way to the mount where they're supposed to have the sacrifice. And God is going uh, to allow Abraham to carry out the sacrifice to test his faith. And uh, he ties up Isaac, raises the knife, and God stops him. And that's where we are here, right? Uh, verse 11. And the angel of the Lord called out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. And he said, lay not, the, uh, lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou uh, hath not withhold thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes, and look, behold, in the ram, uh, behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took a ram and offered it up for a burnt offering in his instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh, meaning the Lord will provide. But what I love about this story, there's two awesome parts about this. He says, Jehovah-Jireh, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. Now, I love that because, okay, God just provided a ram for the offering instead of his son, so he could take that ram and offer it right now. But God led 
Abraham to call the place Jehovah-Jireh because something is going to happen in the future in this mount that shall be seen. Okay, go back to verse 8 because I get a, I'm getting goosebumps already. Verse 8, he says, Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. Now again, some of the different versions translate that different. But you ever try to do something and you say to somebody, yeah, I'll just do it myself. How many of you ever said that? Kim and I, we get into this discussion now and then, especially at work, because she's very good at computers. And she'll try to help somebody do something on the computer. And inside you just want to say, all right, just move and let me do it myself. Because you know if you do it, you can do it in three seconds. But it takes three minutes to try to talk the person through doing it. And you're just like, all right, just let me do it myself. Now, you could say that sentence, just let me do it. But when you add that extra phrase, myself, you're describing who is going to be the one who's doing it. This says God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. He could have just said, hey, God's going to provide a lamb for the burnt offering. He didn't say that. He said God will provide himself. Who's going to be the lamb? He himself will be the lamb. Other versions will say, God himself will provide. It's not what it says. It doesn't say God himself is going to provide it. He said God is going to provide himself. And then Abraham says, in the mount of God, it shall be seen in the future. What an amazing passage of scripture. The wording here is just awesome. But notice, we see almighty God. We see self-existing one. We see Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. Keep going. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. I told you I could go short. We could spend a lot more time on this just because how many of you ever long for God who heals? I thank the Lord he heals from our sin. I thank the Lord he heals brokenhearted. But you know what? I also opened myself up a couple times this week. I'm glad he heals. God is... Keep going. Jehovah Nissi, the Lord is my banner. And I wrote these verses down if you want to keep track of them where God says, listen, uh, I'm so proud of who the Lord is, I don't mind displaying him in front of everyone. He is my banner. He is my shield. Keep going. Jehovah, that's the one. Mekadeshim, right? The Lord who sanctifies. And for the book of Leviticus, guys, we can go back to that one to almost every sermon. Because God over and over and over reminds us he wants us to be sanctified. He wants us to be set apart. Any of these speak to your heart today? God, again, is trying to remind us, listen, do you know my name? I'm the God who heals. Do you need healing? I'm the God who provides. Do you need providing? I'm the God who sanctifies. Keep going. Jehovah Shalom. I think we could figure that one out, right? The Lord is my peace. Man, in this world today, not only are there many people longing for peace, I look out there and long for peace for people because they're going absolutely out of their minds. And I have a peace that passes understanding through the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you for that. But you turn on the news and you think you live in a nut house. And you just long, Lord, for peace. Jehovah Shalom, he is the God of peace. Keep going. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord is our righteousness. One of my first favorite verses that have come back up again uh, is in Corinthians where it talks about he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin 
that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I thank the Lord that he decided to exchange my sin for his righteousness. I no longer have to be bound in the guilt of unforgiveness. What Jesus did, he said, I'll take that sin because you've asked me to be your savior and I'll give you my righteousness instead. The Lord, our righteousness. How can we understand who God is personally as a personal characteristic, his skills, his traits, his talents, his personal relationship with us if we don't know his name? Next name, Jehovah Ra. I think you all know this one. The Lord is my shepherd. Psalm 23. Next one, Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is there. You ever lay in bed at night? Everybody else in the house is asleep? Or you're out somewhere on your own and things are just weighing on your heart? Isn't it a comfort to know that the Lord is there? There is nowhere you can go in this world that he is not there. He's there when we have celebration. He's there when we have a struggle. He's there in that still, small voice. And he's also there right in the midst of chaos. But he is always there. Next one. Jehovah Sabaoth. We're going to look at this one more and more. He is the Lord of hosts. Now you think, okay, that's great. What this basically means is he is the capable conqueror. He has everything at his command. And at any moment, at any time, he can claim victory because he's the Lord of hosts. Everything in this universe obeys him. No need to fear. God's got us covered. He's the Lord of hosts. And I say this is important because next time we're together and we're looking at the book, of Le- uh, the book of Leviticus, yeah, the book of Malachi and some of the minor prophets, this name continues to reoccur more than most. The Lord of hosts. Okay, go on. L in the Bible. That verse right there I put in there, that's for us. Genesis 35, 7, if you want to look it up at some point, that is where uh, Jacob is there at Bethel. And he decides the at Bethel, he's going to name that place the house of God. Well, and then he says, listen, not only that, I'm going to say God of the house of God. So he calls the place El Bethel. Because that word El is another word for God. But I just thought it was interesting since we have Bethel Bible Church, meaning the house of God. Bethel, house of God. And then he calls it El Bethel. He wanted to double down. Not just it's the house of El, but it's El of the house of El. God of his house. Anyway, keep going. But he uses this in, com- uh, in conjunction with other ones. El Olam, the everlasting God. Talked about this this morning. Unto the king, eternal, immortal, invisible men. The everlasting God. Keep going. El Roi, the God who sees. I hope that one's precious to you. But... I'll tell you, sometimes it's not, is it? Because maybe we're in the midst of doing something we don't want God to see. Remember God started this whole thing out in this verse 6? If I'm your father, where's my honor? If I'm your master, where's my dread? Where's my fear? He's the God who sees. I love that because no matter what situation I'm in, he sees. He knows. Amen? Keep going. El Gabor, 
mighty God. And the last one, one we've probably heard, El Elyon, and we'll look at this one a little bit more because it, re- it occurs in Malachi, the Most High God. And Dan, again, referenced this through First Timothy, the only wise God. He is the Most High. There may be lots of gods that are, exist in this world, but there's only one Most High God. Now, I said all these because sometimes in America, in the English language, we use the word G-O-D and maybe Lord, and those are the words we use, and we'll talk about Jesus because that represents him as a person. But when it comes to God, our Heavenly Father, the eternal God, we only use basically two words to describe him. And sometimes it leaves us without the depth of who our God really is. And he goes, you guys have despised my name. I love you. I'm your father. I'm your master. But you guys don't even have a clue who I am. And I think it's important for you and I to get a grip on who God is. You going through something in your life right now? And you need the God who sees or the God who is there. You have a victory or something that God's been doing in you and you want to declare the Lord is my banner. I could wave this all over. We see all these flags put out and all the crazy. Listen, how about waving the flag of who our God is? Next slide. In Malachi, God is upset because his priests do not know who he is. You've despised my name. You're my people, Israel, but you don't act like it. They've forgotten. They despised, they lightly esteemed his name. Meaning they might not have known it, but it just became guys who were studying with me in Job. God talks several times that their name became a byword. Meaning, eh, just a part of regular conversation didn't mean anything to them anymore. That's what was happening with the people in this time. But I'm afraid in Christianity that might be happening to us. That we know the word God and we know the word Lord and they represent who we're talking about, but we've forgotten what it really means, who God really is. They've taken the name of God in vain. Is that us? I'm going to say you, me too. When I talk about my God, do I forget that he's the God who provides? That he's the Lord of hosts? That he is the self-existent one, the creator of this universe? He sees me, he knows me, he protects me. Everything we need, he is. We not need to take his name in vain, but because of that, we better know his name. Keep going. Today, I want us to think about the name of God. When we get to the end of the book, God gives us this verse, and I love this. He mentions his name several times in the book, and he uses several different names for himself in this book of Malachi. But this is what he comes up with. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. And the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. So there's my sermon for today. I told you it wasn't going to be long. I want us to leave here today and think about God's name. 
Not just G-O-D. Think about what that name actually represents. He is an amazing being. This last slide. Remember who he is. Remember what he does. And remember our relationship with him. He's the God of this universe. He doesn't just do things. He is the great I am. But on top of that, he has amazing skills and power. But besides being the God of this universe, creator, self-existent, great I am, and he has all this amazing power and abilities, he has chosen to be your and my heavenly father. What an amazing thing. He's not just some being upstairs that we can't be in touch with. He wants every day to be in a personal close loving relationship with each one of us this week till we get back together again think on his name remember who he is i tell you what if we would focus a little bit more upon god and who he is it would change who we are let's pray heavenly father i thank you thank you for who you are and lord i was so unworthy to speak of these names. Father, my name, Craig Henry Fisher. It means something. But Lord, there are things that my name represents to people who know me. Some good, some not so good. But Father, when it comes to your name and who you are and the power that it represents, Father, we need to make sure we don't take lightly, lightly esteem, despise. We don't take your name in vain. We represent the most amazing being in this universe. What a privilege. And Father, not only that, do not only we have the ability to take that name and represent it before the world, Lord, it can mean so much to us. Father, right now, You see us. You are here with us. Lord, you are the Lord of hosts. We need not worry about anything. Lord, you provide. You are mighty God. And so, Father, help that to become more and more real to us. Lord, you celebrate at the end of this book of Malachi that there were people who continually spoke to one another about who you were and a thought upon your name. Help us to be those people. In Jesus' name, amen.